Thanks for joining us for this message from Awakened Church. We believe in the power of God's Word, and we pray that you're encouraged by this message. Now lean in as we hear from God's Word together. During my preparation uh, to, to share with you guys today, uh, I, was, I got in this track and I was looking for the, the origins of the word church. And as I was dis- uh, looking into this, I, I discovered that there's a debate uh, as to where the word church comes from. Uh, so uh, some scholars believe uh, it comes from the Anglo-Saxon word kirke, uh, but that, and that derives from the Latin word uh, for circus. So I was like, okay, okay. And that means circle. Um, and the belief is the early church, when they got together, they just gathered in a circle. So, you know, it sounds like groups, right? So, you know, being the groups pastor, you know, <laughs> just a hint, hint, right? Um, so uh, that's why they kind of use that word kirke. Uh, one commentary, uh, he kind of was looking through and he said, hey, it's kind of, um, uh, it's kind of funny how the word church and circus are related. Uh, and then I realized, yeah, it's pretty funny, you know, because they're a lot alike. Uh, and so that got me thinking and laughing, and then realized, oh, so I'm a, I said, I got it. That's going to be the, the, the name of my message. Uh, so that's why we're calling it Join the Circus. Okay? All right. So, Devin, could you bring out my box of fun, please? Thank you. Can you, can you give Devin a hand? My, my lovely assistant. Ladies, he's taken. He's taken. Okay. All right. So, thank you. All right, so, uh, um, so I got some, uh, before we get started in the message, I got some items here that should help remind us of the circus, um, but there are also some items that can remind us of people that we know in the church or, or character types we know in the church. Um, so here's the first item. Let's pull this out. All right. What does this remind you of? You know? A bad hair day? No. The, uh, you know, this is where Dan, my daughter, gets her curly hair from. No. So, uh, no, a clown, right? So a clown is, a, is the, the comic relief. They get people in the mindset uh, to, to, for enjoyment. So we have folks like that. Uh, I see people starting to take photos. No. <laughs> the, uh, I, I know that we have people like that in the church who, have, who just have great dad jokes you know, that they want to share. Uh, or they just... They just come with a, a cheerful spirit. It's no, it's nose is coming off. The, uh, it's like my pimples in high school. The, um, the, uh, but they have that cheerful spirit, uh, and, and they and they live it out. In the Proverbs it says, you know, a joyful heart is good medicine. You know, and, and there's Christians that just live that out so well. I'm gonna try to take this off without pulling my mic off my head. All right, I did it. Great. Devin said, like, clear my head off because, you know, I got all kind of extra curls on there. All right. So, second item here. Let's pull this out. Cotton candy. Uh, who doesn't like a yummy treat, right? Uh, um, and uh, when we go, go to the circus, obviously, you're going to want get, to get a treat. But the, um, this reminds me of folks in the church uh, that always, always have some kind of yummy baked good or casserole or something to feed you. You know, they've ministered to me a lot over the years, as you can see. Uh, and I'm appreciative for them. Um, but, but it's like they're trying to draw you to Christ one, you know, heavenly bite at a time. So, so here you go. Some cotton candy right there. So here's the next item. Let's pull this out here. Devin said I have to be careful with these. All right. These are throwing knives and an apple. Any volunteers? 
So, oh, did we get a volunteer? You, you, you want to put this on your head for me? Uh, you know, wow, like, uh, you know, John uh, fifteen thirteen. no greater love than a brother than to lay his life down for another. Because uh, um, he, he's willing to do that right there. Um, we will not be doing that. But uh, I, I will send you home with some uh, cotton candy if someone passed that back to him. You know, thank you very much. So, so what does this kind of represent? It represents uh, the, the Word of God and, and one of these daggers and those individuals who can just take it and just have such control of it and just send it to any issue that, that, that you might have in your life. They can just take any kind of issue and just, you know, no matter what it is. Uh, Pastor AJ's like that. Say, say you have an issue with, with snakes in your house. He might say, hey, this is what Jesus did about the serpents. You know, or, you know, or if you're a single person looking for, you know, some good, wholesome pickup lines, he'll take you to Song of Solomon's. You know, Pastor AJ is great with the Word of God. You know, truly, you know, he's amazing with the Scripture. So that's one item. That's, that's this item. All right, the last item. What's this remind you of? Okay, let's not break anything. I see the, the sound guys back there getting... Uh, um, nervous, right? <laughs> and break some equipment. So what does this whip remind you of? Uh, you know, obviously, right? Lions, like tigers, right? You know, um, I was going to have a, an actual uh, line here. Uh, Caitlin was supposed to get it here, but uh, she, DG said it wasn't in the budget. So, you know, talk to her. Uh, so, so this in the church kind of reminds me of those individuals who are just, just fearless, those fearless Christians, just willing to take on any challenge, you know, and it's those fearless Christians who, you know, who work within our awakened kids, you know, and deals with all of our children, you know, uh, they're the ones I kind of see this and we'll be issuing these to them later in the month, you know, as they're working with the kids. So that's that item. All right. So that's all those items. Devin, if you can come grab that box for me, please, I'd appreciate it. So those items just are examples of things that, um, that just kind of represent the church in the circus, right? And kind of give you that idea. So before we go any further, let's read the passage that we're going to be diving into today. Uh, if you want to open your Bibles uh, or whatever, or you have a device, uh, open to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. Give you a second to pull that open if you're going to read along with me. All right, I hear everyone's close to there, being there. And the, the title of this is The Fellowship of Believers. So I'm going to start at verse 42. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing them, the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. Let's pray. Lord God, I am so thankful we're able to gather together here. I know just a year ago, we were in the midst of, you know, lots of scares and the pandemic and, you know, getting, uh, we weren't able to, to meet. Um, but thank you, God, that you've allowed us to come back together uh, as believers to, to enjoy the fellowship uh, with one another. 
um, you know, after having the loss of that, it, it just brings it more into light, the importance of being able to be together. I just pray right now for as, uh, as your word is delivered, God, that you just use me as your vessel to share your word. Allow our, all of our hearts just to be ready to just receive, just expect it. God, allow your word to just strike deep into our hearts and just change us and transform us. Lord God, we just thank you. And you pray, amen. All right, so, so how do we join this circus called the church? To answer that question, we'll primarily focus on that first verse that I read. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So we have people who attend the circus, and then we have people uh, who are part of the circus. People who attend the circus go to experience some joy and happiness as they are entertained. They pause their problems in their lives as they enter. Those who are, are a part of the circus, they found their purpose, and they strive to give attendees, they strive to give attendees an experience they won't forget. The circus members have devoted themselves to a common purpose as bigger than just one individual. They've become a part of a family in the circus. Those who attend eventually pick their problems back up and leave, while those who are there and actually a part of the circus um, continue to perform and ready to share that experience with other people as they come. A similar thing happens in the church. Some come to church looking to be entertained, some for peace, others for healing, some are, are looking for somewhere to belong. You know, they pause their troubles, fears, struggles, problems, all at the door. They experience a little taste of Jesus, and then they turn on their heels and walk back, walk back out the door and pick their problems right back up. But they don't have to do that. The, the option is right there before them. You know, the, the, to step out of the audience and into the ring and really be a part of the church family. And they can place their challenges, uh, the challenges of their lives on, on the shoulders of Jesus. Like he, he's ready to receive that. He wants to, for you to put your struggles on his shoulders and offer up, and he offers up a whole family for you to be a part of. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, the first real uh, audience to the gospel of Jesus Christ had the choice to go back to their old lives or to pursue a life-changing experience following Jesus. Some of those folks picked their problems again back up at the door while, they, while others chose another path. Those first believers decided to devote themselves to the apostles' teachings, the fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayer. Those four things seem simple, uh, but there's some great principles that we can unpack, you know, and that's what we're going to do as we go further here. So let's talk about the teaching first. What led those 3,000 strangers to becoming a community, a family? In Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2, it gives us context as how that happened. So let me describe the setting. The disciples, uh, they were still in Jerusalem. They had 120 other followers of Jesus uh, with them. And it's the, the Feast of Weeks, or also called the Pentecost. So probably uh, there was close to an additional 100,000 Jewish pilgrims from all over the world that came to Jerusalem. And they were there to, to sacrifice at the temple. The disciples might have been at the temple or at another house in Acts chapter 2, verse 2. 
And in this environment, God sends his promised Holy Spirit now. So it states in Acts chapter 2, verse 2 to 3, And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. In Acts chapter 2, verse 6, it also states, At the sound of a mighty rushing wind brought a multitude together. So a crowd started to gather, right? And as people all, from all around the world, right, all these people gathered and they started hearing their own languages being spoken, it created some confusion. They're like, why is my language being spoken here? This is not home, right? But then, and like in any other crowd, the, heck, the hecklers started, you know, jeering and talking. Hope there's no hecklers here today. Uh, um, uh, talking to you, Pastor Nate. Uh, um, so, uh, the, so the hecklers started jeering. And they started saying, hey, these people filled with the Holy Spirit, they're drunk. Then Peter stood up. God bless Peter. He stands up and just drops some knowledge on these folks. You know, he he had the first church service right then and there. He told the audience, this is the day prophesied in the Old Testament. He told them who Jesus was and gave them the opportunity to follow Jesus. In Acts 2.41, it says, So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So what does that mean? There was people who did not receive. There was people that decided to stay in the audience while those who were three, while those 3,000 chose to follow Jesus that day. So there's our setting, okay? How many have been to the circus? Put your hands up. Okay, how many have seen The Greatest Showman? Okay, so you have an idea of what the circus kind of looks like. Uh, um, so when people walk into a circus, they're looking, for, they're looking to experience something. They get their popcorn, their cotton candy, and, and they look for a good seat j- just so they may, might be able to see the elephants or see the, the, uh, the high wire act. All while the circus performers are living out their experiences. What the audience is really getting is a glimpse of the combined experiences of the performers. The performers are giving the audience a taste of what they've committed their whole lives to. The performers are ready to show the audience the culmination of their life's work. All those lessons they've been taught and practiced are rolled into just a few minutes. It's the same in the church. There are those who come just to experience a glimpse of Jesus. But what Jesus wants, what God wants, is for us to glimpse him on a daily basis. He wants us to fully experience him moment by moment. The 3,000 weren't just satisfied with the taste of Jesus. They devoted themselves to being taught about who Jesus was and how he lived. We could either be the ones looking at something amazing or be the ones actually living out something amazing. We could be the ones yearning for life or the ones truly living. So why do we devote ourselves to teaching? John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. Principle one, Christians devote themselves to teaching to know the truth. We do this so we can't be deceived. The The alternative to truth is lies. The devil is the master of lies. The devil takes God's word and turns it all around. He did it with Eve in the garden. So in Genesis 3.1, it says, and this is the devil speaking, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? That was the devil's opening line, a manipulation of God's word. Eve eventually caved to the lies, and it cost her and Adam dearly. Judas, Judas was totally bought into the lies of the devil while he, while he was living with the Son of God. And he sold out Jesus. And that cost Judas everything. We can't afford to not know the truth. The cost is just too high. The devil tried his lies on Jesus in the wilderness. The devil just must have missed the memo that Jesus Christ is the truth. Lies break on truth like, like glass on stone. Lies confuse Truth direct. Lies destroy while truth sustains. Lies kill while while truth brings life. We devote ourselves to the teaching of Jesus Christ to abide in the truth and cast away lies. Let's move on to principle two. Christians devote themselves to teaching so they can be equipped for the good work God has made for them. In 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17, it says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be completely equipped for every good work. God gave Adam some good work to do in the garden. He and Eve sinned and the garden was taken from them. If Adam and Eve had focused more on their God-given responsibilities instead of their selfish pursuits, then we still might all be hanging out in the garden. You know, it'd be nice. Well, what's done is done, right? We can take an important lesson from this, though. Hear me on this. Don't get distracted from doing the good work God has called you to do. In Galatians 6, 8 to 10, it says, For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows from the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially those who are the household of faith. But let's remember, we don't just do good for good's sake, okay? We do it because we have a relationship with truth, with Jesus. We must be willing to receive teaching to be truly a part of God's church. So during the inception of the church, right? When, we ga- when they gathered together, uh, they, they had to meet somewhere, you know, because they had to hear the word, to be taught the word uh, physically. 
But now, in our day and age, with all of our technology, right? Like, you could be, in, you could be in the, at the mall, you know, learning about Jesus. You, you could be uh, uh, anywhere. You know, you could be at the pool. Oh, okay, let me look at some, some messages and, and learn about Scripture. You know, it, we can learn about anything we want to learn about in regards to Scripture, into biblical history, you know, all at our fingertips. And we could do it from the comfort of our couch, too. We did that a lot during the pandemic. You know, we had to. So if we can do that, if we can get that teaching at home, why come to church? That's a good question, Yvonne. Yeah, that's a good question. Okay, so why come to church? In Acts 2.42, it also says they devoted themselves to fellowship. So let's talk about fellowship and why that's a key aspect of being a part of the church. Principle three, Christians devote themselves to fellowship to be burden bearers. In Galatians 6, 1 to 2, it says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We're called to watch each other's back. We take the truth that we've been taught and apply it to our lives, but we don't do it alone. We bounce the truth off of each other to ensure that we aren't being caught in the devil's lies so we can avoid the death and destruction trap that the devil is laying out for us. And he's constantly trying to make us fall into that. All right, taking it back to the circus, right? No circus can do it alone. Like, there's so much going on, they have teams behind what's happening in everything they do. The circus needs crews to set up tents. They need people feeding the animals. Uh, they need vets treating the animals if they get sick. You, know, you have people who prepare meals for everyone. They have drivers moving equipment from here to there. Well, it's the same in the church for us Christians. You know, here at Awaken, we have whole teams of believers to help assist so you can hear the teaching distraction-free. If you come to the church sleepy, you know, oh, I'm tired, you know. Like, we got folks who can get you a coffee so you don't fall asleep during my message, you know. <laughs> we, have, we have teams who minister to our kids so you can hear God at your level and so they can hear God's word at their level. If you're new to Awaken, we got people to help you get plugged in. You know, we help you get connected. If you need a seat, we got folks to help you find a seat. The value, of fellowship of, the value of the fellowship of believers is it helps each of us better hear, receive, and apply the teachings of Jesus by bearing the burdens of each other. Principle four. Christians devote themselves to fellowship to share their struggles. James 5.16, it says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Confession is a two-way street. You, you, you can't do it by yourself. And, and you, you, you need someone to confess to. You gain that in fellowship. We, we re, and a lot of times we resist that confession because we don't want others to know we are flawed. But, but word to the wise, we're all flawed, okay? Uh, Romans 3.23, we've all, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So even more so why we need each other 
is because we are dealing with all the same problems. Some just might be further along on the journey than others. And some just starting. But those who are further along, they got the cliff notes. They've been through it. They've been through those struggles. They've been through those challenges. And they're willing to offer up to those who are just starting and just learning and facing those challenges to give them guidance and direction. To be a part of the fellowship is to regularly attend a gathering of believers. Here at Awaken, uh, you can attend a Sunday service um, right here with us every Sunday. We welcome and encourage it. But that's just the start of fellowship, okay? And that's just really getting your foot in the door. The next step is to join a group. And I'll talk a little bit more about groups in just a little bit. So the 3,000 new believers devoted themselves to breaking bread together. So they were my kind of people because I love to eat. Um, they, they cared about eating together. So it takes some level of relationship to sit down and have a meal with someone. When you sit down to have a meal with someone, a lot of times, you know, they could be a stranger. But when you're done eating, there won't be a stranger after that. Because after a meal, you know something about that person. In Hebrews 10, 24 to 25, it says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So principle five, Christians are devoted to gathering together. The author said, it's a habit of some. I feel like it was like the writer was saying, hint, hint, wink, wink. You all need to be gathering together. Like he's kind of just letting them know, like you all need to make that a habit in your life. He said also, also he said, stir one another to love. And that kind of flows into to my next principle here. But let me just uh, read something that uh, Jesus said first. In John 13, 34 to 35, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So the sixth principle, Christians are devoted to loving one another. We don't love, we don't love people if you're unwilling to have a relationship with them. We're unable to obey Jesus' command if we refuse to be connected with others. I'm not saying, you know, every one of us is going to be best friends. You know, I wish that was the case. You know, I just don't think it's logistically possible for us all to be, you know, best friends. But we are able to have some extremely, really close relationships within the church. Let me share something else I found out about the circus. So uh, the Ringling Brothers, they became really well known for their cookhouse. And, what, and their cookhouse is where they fed everyone in the circus. And you're talking hundreds of people, right? What I found really interesting was it was a five-star dining experience when they sat down to eat. That the food was great. The service was great. Uh, it, it was just amazing. The circus knew the, the power of people connecting over a meal. Uh, that is probably a, a big contributor to why the, the Ringling Brothers lasted for over 80 years. 
There is there's also a reason why they say families that eat together stay together. I found, uh, uh, I found in this, stu- this Harvard study, uh, and it said only 30% of families eat together or, on a regular basis. Uh, the study also reported uh, that eating together is, uh, eating together for a family and eating as a family largely contributes to uh, kids' school performance, behavioral performance, uh, and a bunch of other really good benefits. So this is like a side practical note. Off topic, but you know, if you're having family issues, make family mealtime a priority. If you're not having family issues, make family mealtime a priority. Okay, like eat together, enjoy each other's presence, have conversation. You know, it, it, it's vital. Um, but again, that's probably a whole message for some for another message. <laughs> As humans, we connect over food. We need food to keep living. It's, it sustains us, right? When we eat together, I, I think, I really think maybe food reminds us we need other people in our lives, like we need food. My point is not just to eat together, okay? But my point is be in such close relationship with one another that you do eat together. Or, or just eating together until you are in close relationship, you know, either way works, um, but it's all about being in close relationship with one another. And most of waking groups I've attended, uh, they've had, they have food, um, probably because they know I'm coming. I mean, and I'm thankful for that, you know, really. Um, but the food helps. It helps in regards to connectivity. They, they have that food there to, to have conversation, to develop a, l- a little greater relationship, just to, to take it at ease. So getting together in groups, is valuable. Jesus had, his, Jesus had a group. He set the example. Jesus connected with many people, but there were only a few he was doing day-to-day life with. He shared meals with those people. Those that enjoy meals together are doing life together. So immediately after the Passover meal, the disciples went with Jesus to pray. And, and this is, and you got to think about this, this is the darkest hour of Jesus' life. Like he, he's, he's in the garden praying and weeping tears. He had brothers to go with him and pray with him. You don't have those kind of people in your life unless you're investing time into others. If you take one thing away from the message today, let it be this. If Jesus needed a group, then we all need a group of believers we can lean on. If you've been part of, a, if you've been part of an awakened group in the past, then you know how important it is. If you haven't, try it. You're not going to regret it, okay? We're signing up for groups right after service today. You know, if you don't know uh, what group to be a part of, we have group coaches that are going to help you, you know, get online and help you search with our, with our uh, uh, technology we got back there. You got a phone, you can snap our little QR code and, and get connected and find a group for yourself. But we're willing to help, but I, and I encourage you to sign up today. Okay, going back to uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Prayer is the final thing those new believers, prayer is the final thing those new believers devoted themselves to. So here is the final principle. Principle seven, 
Christians are devoted to prayer in faith. Prayer is a demonstration of faith. So Hebrews 11.6 says this, And without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. I want you to consider a circus trapeze artist. They're flying, they're flying 40 feet over the air uh, doing all their acrobatics. When they have to release that bar and reach out to that other bar, they have to know it's there. And that takes some level of faith to just to know that bar is there. When we reach out to the Lord in prayer, we must know he is there. So to remember the trapeze artist had to start somewhere and had to build up their faith to know when they reached out, the bar would be there. Daily prayer should be our practice so we can be like that trapeze artist and let go of the bar of the world and reach out to the hand that God is offering to us and know he is there when we reach out. If you're going to reach out to God, you must believe he exists. Sometimes we live with the attitude of out of sight, out of mind. When it comes to God, uh, when it comes to God in our life. But faith is the exact opposite of that. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the convictions of things not seen. For believers, it should be out of sight. He is always on our mind. That's why prayer is important. We're called to pray without ceasing in 1 Thessalonians. Prayer is a constant reminder of, a reminder of where our faith lies. If you have faith, pray. If you lack faith, then pray. Faith lets us know when we reach out to God, God is going to be there and meet us, and, pr- and prayer is how we demonstrate that faith. And if our faith is small, then we, pr- we pray to build that faith up because God will show up when we pray. James 5, uh, 15 says, and the prayer of the faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. A question I challenge you with today is, do you pray daily in faith? It doesn't matter if your faith is a little or a lot, but do you pray believing God exists and is there listening to everything you share? I just want to remind you, he is there listening. The creator God of the universe cares about every single one of your prayers. So as we conclude here, Peter delivered the gospel of Jesus on on that Pentecost day all those years ago. And 3,000 strangers became a family and decided to join the circus, to join the circus that we call the church. They devoted themselves to teaching, to know the truth, and being equipped for the good works that Jesus called us all to. They devoted themselves to the fellowship so we could be burden bearers for one another and to share their struggles. 
They devoted themselves to gathering together. And they devoted themselves to prayer, to knowing by faith God exists and loves them. So I ask you to consider these seven principles and really just search your heart and see, am I a part of the circus or am I a part of the audience? So I, I remember about eight years ago, um, my wife volunteered uh, our house for uh, um, being a host home for waking groups. I was extremely resistant. So we, we, we had uh, just uh, moved here, I had just coming off a of deployment as well, um, and, and so prior, so prior to that, I, I was in the audience. Like, I, I didn't want to be, I, I didn't want anything to do with it. But then God started to remind me, you know, of all the, the past experiences I'd had of being a part of a group, of being a part of a fellowship of believers, a part of a church, and, and reminded, like, wow, like, I need this in my life. So, so I said, okay, babe, we can do this, you know. I decided that it, w- it was something I wanted to be a part of. And doing so has been a huge, huge blessing on my life. I mean, I really wouldn't be up here on the stage today if I hadn't done that. And there's so many friends that I've been able to just have great relationship with because of that. There's friends that we've, we've laughed together. You know, we've cried together. We've mourned together. You know, and it's because we chose to be a part of the fellowship, a part of the group. You know, and, and I'm sharing all this with you to say that you can have that too. You can have people that are committed to your life and you're committed to their life by, by deciding to, to be com- connected to each other. You don't know that your, your very best friend for the rest of your life could be in that next group that you sign up for, that you're part of. Or that individual that, that needs for you to disciple them you know, in that next group, or vice versa. You don't know what God has planned for you but I know, I know that he, that he has us as a family and, we, and we're a family and we're his family and he wants us to treat each other as such. So I encourage you to, to be a part of, a, of groups this semester. You know, and, you know, if you're wondering how to sign up, we have, you know, cool, cool QR codes. You can flash it with your phone and, you know, find it and sign up there. Uh, we have group coaches back there with iPads and, and group leaders back there can help you find the right group for you. Um, but, but I encourage you to be a part of groups. So what I'm going to ask now, uh, I'm going to ask, and once I ask you to stand, can I, I'm going to have you remain standing. Can I have my group coaches that are in the room, can I have you stand, please? Any group coaches in the room? I got one. Okay. We got one group coach. Awesome. So what our group coaches are for, and they do, they help direct and guide our group leaders. Can I have, can I have um, any uh, group uh, leaders stand up? All right, got some group leaders stand up. Okay. So any, so our group leaders, also, can I have host homes, any host homes or co-leaders stand up as well? If you've been a group leader at some point, could you please stand up? Okay, okay. All right, so, like, I appreciate all of you for all the leadership you've provided over the years and currently. I want to say thank you so much because without... Without um, you guys, there would be no awakened groups. There would never have been awakened groups, and we wouldn't have the community we have. So I want you to keep standing, okay? Now I'm going to ask, you know, anyone planning to sign up for a group today, please stand up. 
Awesome, awesome. So now I'm going to ask for anyone who's been a part of groups at some point, please stand up. So you guys, you guys are our circus, okay? And I want to, again, just say thank you so much for, for the, the, the energy and the investment you've put into pouring into our community. And I, and I encourage those, you know, if you're, if you're not a part of groups or haven't been a part of groups, please sign up. Trust me, it is so worth it. It's so worth the time, energy, and effort. I know it's like a little extra time out of your week, but the value that comes from having relationships from other believers is absolutely amazing. I'm going to pray for you guys. I'm going to pray for this upcoming semester and that God's anointing be upon it. Okay, so let's pray. Lord God, we just thank you so much for this community of believers, these brothers and sisters in Christ who've come together to, to invest in each other's lives. And we do that because we love you, Lord. We do that because you loved us. And we are just so thankful for, for every moment that we get to serve you. I pray right now that, that each heart here just be ready just to pour into someone else's heart, into someone else's life. Be ready to invest in, other, in, in others because we know the value of relationships because our relationship with you, Lord. I just pray for this upcoming semester, God, that, that, that some deep, meaningful connections be made and that relationships just continue to grow and flourish. I pray that, that those relationships... Some might be best friends. I pray that these relationships grow beyond that and that they have these relationships into eternity, Lord. God, we just trust you so much for all the things that you've been doing in our lives. And we continue to just trust you for the things that you're going to do in our lives. And I just pray your anointing upon these people, upon this church. I just pray that this upcoming semester just be one of the best semesters we've ever had in regards to growing closer to you and growing closer to each other. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We'd love to hear how this message or the ministry of Awaken has impacted your life. Let us know at awaken.church forward slash my story.